It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. (laughs) All right, welcome in, everybody. Patrick Johnson uh, here as we are uh, underway with the uh, PJ Show. Great to have you uh, with us uh, here. And uh, it is going to be uh, interesting to see how uh, things uh, pan out uh, in a couple of events going on. One here and one all the way across the uh, country. Uh, and uh, we'll tell you all about it coming up. Welcome in. Clark Willis uh, producing. And uh, we are, uh, Clark, I'm sending you a message, by the way. And uh, you serious, Clark? I'll just say it. I can't, I'm, I'm not hearing anything on your end, Clark. So just uh, be aware of that uh, as, we, uh, as we welcome you in. All right, here we go. Uh, Jonathan Wagner, Wags. Uh, he uh, spent some time with uh, Hoist the Colors 247, and uh, he is also uh, a guy who is uh, with now on three sports, uh, still lives in Greenville, uh, going to be moving, but he's staying in North Carolina, and uh, he's done a great job uh, there. All right, I got you, Clark. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so uh, we'll hear from him coming up. Uh, we'll talk to Jonathan Wagner about this story came out from Pete Thamel uh, a couple of uh, days ago. And uh, as you can imagine, it is getting play in our neck of the woods. Uh, but uh, according to, to Pete Thamel, concerning college football realignment, we're in the offseason now, as you can tell, folks. And uh, the rumor mill is starting to heat up around college football as far as expansion and conference realignment uh, goes. And uh, there uh, is the report out now that two super conferences, as they're being referred to now, are keeping their options open to see what schools uh, from other leagues could come available in the future. And that's the key phrase, in the future. And now the interest appears to reside in a pair of current ACC schools. Uh, North Carolina and Virginia are two schools that both the Big Ten and the SEC would ideally prefer to add to their respective conferences sometime down the road. Again, there's that phrase, uh, should the opportunity ever come open? Another key phrase again. Uh, that is according to a college football insider for ESPN, Pete Thamel. Uh, both states are among the nation's top 15 most populous. Of course, Virginia has uh, one of the richest areas in the country in northern Virginia and backs up against Washington, D.C., uh, the schools share their own uh, historic football series for what that's worth. The South's oldest rivalry dates back to 1892. Uh, it is not believed the SEC would be interested in adding either of the ACC member schools in the state of Florida, uh, as that conference already believes it has a strong foothold with the Gators. And uh, here's what we all know about the ACC. We, we've reported this last year. It's been reported this year on this show. The speculative addition of any ACC team seems to be uh, just that, speculative right now. Uh, The deal would include an exit fee that is massive, $120 million. 
and I can't see uh, even if schools in the Big Ten are getting a hundred million, and in the SEC are getting eighty to a hundred million, uh, them wanting to forego any of that money to go towards helping set up the exit fee, and the league would keep the media rights to those departing teams for all their home football games. So all of the money that Virginia and North Carolina would potentially get would go back to the ACC should they leave for one of these other conferences. Inevitably, I think something will be worked out. But you're wondering why, when it was announced that Texas and Oklahoma were not going to go to the big to the SEC from the Big 12, part of that is uh, because of their grant of rights in the Big 12. Now, the money was good enough to leave a year early. I'm sure they worked something out because Texas has run that thing and Oklahoma has been the number two in that conference as far as running things for so long. Of course, uh, all of this stems from the uh, seven ACC members that uh, have started to do work behind the scenes, the Magnificent Seven in Louisville trying to include themselves in as eight. Any interest from the SEC or Big Ten has uh, in North Carolina or Virginia will have to wait a few years for either conference to have a realistic chance to add them considering that grant of rights agreement. That's uh, what Thamel wrote in the article. Once conference realignment process starts up, it's expected that the Big 12 will be in the league uh, making the most aggressive moves or will be the league making the most aggressive moves. Speculation at this point continues about Colorado is currently in the Pac-12, possibly Arizona. Uh, Gonzaga has come up. UConn has even come up, believe it or not. And uh, Oregon... Washington, these are schools that are also uh, mentioned. So all the big state schools are the ones that seem to be getting uh, the consideration now for the uh, for uh, conference expansion. So we'll talk uh, with uh, Jonathan Wagner about that coming up in just a little bit. Uh, the U.S. Open is going on, and we'll give you an update on the uh, leaderboard here in just a few minutes. Uh, we also have the Big Rock that is going on uh, today. Uh, as well. There's also, uh, speaking of golf, something that was reported by the Times in London. This came out uh, earlier today. Uh, They are reporting that PGA Tour members who rejected live offers will be compensated under a plan by PIF investors. The amount has not been finalized, but it it is meant to, uh, in quotes, level up players who stayed loyal to the PGA with those who left for live golf. Uh, This reads more, uh, according to some, like a cash payout apart from the equity in the new entity that would have been floated. So it's unclear if they'll receive both or how some of that will uh, come across. Uh, You can imagine the reaction to this because uh, people are saying this is an end around to getting uh, the Saudi blood money uh, and, uh, I, I think some other stuff that'll be worked out as well would be backdating any world rankings for live players. I mean, right now, uh, Brooks Kepka just teed off uh, about 15 minutes ago at the U S open out in Los Angeles. And he's, uh, currently out there. Uh, you have Bryson DeChambeau who, uh, toils now on live and he's right now in a tie for third in the U.S. Open and had a really, really uh, sensational day. So these are the things that uh, you'll have to kind of consider and uh, will all be negotiated out, but it is a report that uh, it appears there will be some form of uh, compensation going to players. 
Again, Brian Mould told us, told us uh, this week, yesterday, in fact, that uh, Rory, or no, it was Curtis Strange that said this. Rory actually talked but was never offered a contract. So, you know, Rory McIlroy, everybody's throwing their his face on what it says to compensation, you know, officially was never offered a contract. And so uh, he did not turn down an offer per se. He heard uh, live out, and I guess the overtures were he were not, uh, he was not interested. Um, let's see some other, uh, news and notes, uh, from, uh, around the, uh, area, big recruiting weekend for, uh, East Carolina football coming up this weekend. So we'll hear, uh, from, uh, Steve and I go with more on that tomorrow. I'm sure it'll be his final, uh, hoist the colors radio show until later on in the summer. He's going to be taking a little hiatus here as ECU sports is in the uh, off season. I uh, did talk to some people today, uh, we were lining up some great guests for uh, the shows next week, and uh, we we're trying to get some others. We cast a pretty wide net. It uh, doesn't look like we're going to get some of the ones that we had hoped, uh, but I think when we come back in late July or August after uh, uh, we take a break following next week, I think uh, we will be in a spot where we can uh, give you a little bit of uh, – uh, an idea of uh, some of these other guests we were unable to work something out this week. Uh, first round of the U.S. Open right now is Xander Schauffele, our guy, Brian Mull's, uh favorite pick, and uh, pretty Ricky Fowler, both eight under, impressive 62s. Uh, Paul uh, Barjon, the Frenchman who went to TCU, uh, is currently out there at four under. Xander Schauffele, along with uh, DeChambeau and uh, Siwoo Kim, three under 67s, and uh, there will be primetime golf tonight because this is on the West Coast uh, and uh, taking place at that uh, gorgeous course out in L.A. Uh, it will be uh, it will be uh, broadcast in primetime. You can watch that on uh, WITN uh, tonight, beginning at uh, 8 o'clock. It's on USA Network now, and, of course, you could stream it on Peacock as well uh i i forgot about this uh till he sent me uh some pictures and, and a text today but uh our guy hank hinton actually played the course out in uh, los angeles the uh, la country club you serious uh, yeah i'm dead serious he's uh he, he played that a few years ago i, I should have sent uh, clark the photos so he could have put it up on the uh, telecast uh for the uh video stream for the uh, audience that's with us on uh, video <laughs> here or Cookie could have done it, whichever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we uh, pretty impressive uh, time out there in Los Angeles. And I think Mull told us, he uh, told me off the air, he'd also played the uh, the course. So there you go. That's where we are with that. Uh, we'll check the big rock a little bit later on in the uh, show. I tell you, pardon me, I tell you what, we've got uh, Jonathan Wagner with us uh, here. Uh, so we'll get to him in uh, a few minutes. In fact, let's go ahead and take a break. We're supposed to link up with him at uh, quarter past. So. Uh, we'll go ahead and grab a break, see if we can catch him a hair early here. Lots to talk about with uh, On3 Sports, Jonathan Wagner, regarding, again, this uh, report from uh, Pete Thamel a couple days ago that uh, the Big Ten and the SEC have designs on expansion that would uh, involve the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Virginia Cavaliers. We will see, and uh, we'll talk about that and other things related to college sports where Colorado figures in all this when we get back. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. A couple days ago, the big uh, story as far as conference 
uh, expansion or potential expansion goes. We're going to get into more of that right now. Jonathan Wagner's been on the Patrick Johnson show, just not when I've hosted it. Uh, but he's here today, and that's all that uh, counts. It's great to have uh, Jonathan Wagner, who uh, is with On3 Sports, National News uh, Desk Associate Editor, uh, was with uh, 247 and Hoist the Colors, ECU guy. So it's always great to, uh, to see guys that uh, are pirates doing well, as uh, Jonathan does. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for doing this. It's really great to talk to you. Hey, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm always glad to join the show, and I'm always down to talk some college football, college sports in general. It's that time of the year, and I'm looking forward to it. we got a lot of storylines for sure. Yeah, you know, I've got all the magazine subscriptions and the, uh, you know, uh, subscriptions to the different different things online that I'm starting to kick in and uh, we'll start to read. I've reached the point, Jonathan, where it'd be nice to have a little break, and we're going to have one soon. But then when I'm in the midst of the break over the fourth, I'm going to want something to read. And so <laughs> that's where we are right now. With your, I'll be gearing up with all the – get my hands on as much college football uh, as I can. Well, so Pete Thamel reporting this. I know uh, your colleague Griffin McVeigh uh, surmised this a couple of days ago for On3. And uh, that is uh, the Big Ten and apparently the SEC, perhaps for different reasons and, and perhaps for some of the same reasons. Uh, want North Carolina and Virginia. They're coveted, as uh, the article uh, uh, puts it. You know, this has obviously gotten a lot of uh, interest, and uh, we're at the time of year where this is what guys in, in in my position talk about, you know, on our shows. Uh, they've been talking about it in Charlotte. I'm sure they've been talking about it in the Triangle to some degree, and, uh, you know, talking about it, uh, obviously, here on this station. So, uh Kind of just, you know, when you talk to your national guys and other people that cover these conferences and cover the ACC as well, what uh, what are the thoughts on this and what is the validity of, of this? Again, with the backdrop, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but with the backdrop of the grant of rights is so airtight, it appears. But but I just think eventually there's going to be something. But go ahead and, and the floor is yours. Right, yeah, I think, I mean, we're at a really – and college sports as a whole, we're in a really interesting spot right now. I mean, this time last year, I guess it was, with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, and then UCLA and USC obviously going to the Big Ten, and now you're, you're kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop. And to me, from what I've read, what I've heard, it, it feels like you know all those conversations are centered around those ACC schools, whether it be North Carolina, Virginia, the Clemsons, Florida States, Miamis. It's kind of like, what's going to happen next? And, you know, there are other schools like you know, the Notre Dames, the Oregons out there that are still big players in the next wave of realignment. But I think it's a matter of when and not if. And when I look at, you know, North Carolina and Virginia sp- specifically, I think th- those make sense. And for interesting reasons, because a lot of the times when you look at the SEC and Big Ten, you know, right, everything's football driven for the most part. And, I mean, those two schools, I think it might be a little bit of a change of approach because Virginia especially is not a hu- not as big as a football program as the Florida States, the Miamis, the Clemsons. But Virginia is still a top 15 school nationally in total revenue. I believe USA Today last week came out with an article, top 25 mm-hmm. revenue generation, and Virginia was 14th. And that's baseball, that's basketball, that's everything else, all the other sports drive so much of that so virginia is an intriguing school to me i think north carolina is obviously such a big national brand so 
I don't know what happens next, but it seems to be driven around the ACC and what those schools do and if they can do anything. Where it is interesting there, it sticks with the model in the SEC, at least UNC and, and Virginia do. It sticks to the model with the SEC and to a degree the Big Ten. The big state school in that state is a member of that of the conference. And so right. that, that fits the model. Now, football drives it. So that's why I really think the Clemson, Florida State, the Miami thing is a little perplexing to me because it isn't exactly the U of 25 years ago. And they really, they've got problems as far as there's not a big alumni base. The city's not engaged unless they're winning at a huge level, although that's gotten better under Cristobal and the NIL. But they also have, I mean, they're, they're, Stadium situation's problematic. It, it's not the Orange Bowl by any stretch. So, uh, you know, I, I could see some combination of those five in maybe a four out of the five going. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting when you do put Clemson and Florida State in there, especially the SEC, I, I, I can – they seem to fit the culture of the SEC. Yeah, absolutely, and I think Clemson especially. Clemson's a model example. They're football-driven, and Clemson feels SEC to me. And I think, I mean, that that Miami concern is very valid, I think, and it's not the Miami that we're used to, but I also think another part of this is the urge to kind of get into the Carolina area, the Carolinas to the Virginia area, and it's it might be a matter of who gets there first between the SEC yeah. and Big Ten. Yeah. Because whoever can get there first, kind of set their foot and get a recruiting foothold there, I think that could be big. And whoever gets there first, whoever can, I think that could really drive a lot of this discussion moving forward. You know, again, the grant of rights issues are, are so airtight that and this is not imminent. So much money on the line that if these conferences really want to bring in any combination of these schools – uh, this, this it's going to be figured out. It'll be it's going to cost somebody a lot of money, but it will be figured out. Absolutely, and I agree. And I think again, right now, it, it lately the trend seems to be the SEC and the Big Ten kind of emerging as the big two, if you will. And you know, it it kind of leaves the rest behind wondering. And I think as that pressure continues to build, you know, teams are going to start to get more and more desperate to catch up. And if you if you are a Clemson, if you are a North Carolina, it, all these kinds of schools, it's you know you don't want to get left behind. Whatever the next step, who knows what the next step is in college athletics, and but you don't want to get left behind. So you have to position yourself. And the grant of rights is a hurdle for sure. But like you said, it's in the end if if these schools want to leave, they're they're going to find a way. The Big Ten and the SEC will find a way to get them if they really want them. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to ECU alum Jonathan Wagner uh, with uh, On Three Sports, has worked uh, with uh, 247 Sports and Hoist the Colors previously. Uh, it's great to have Wags. On. Can I call you Wags? I like that na- nickname for you. I'm going to call you Wags if that's okay. Absolutely. All right. Wags is on with us. Jonathan Wagner is, is, is with us here. So, obviously, I think the, the, the Pac-12 – thing is fascinating there's no over-the-air tv partner now there's no solid tv deal in place when the current agreement expires ucla and usc are leaving talking to coaches from the big 10 
in some of the Olympic sports, uh, you know, during ESPN Plus coverage, I would ask, what do you think of this or what's your opinion on these new teams coming in? By and large, they liked them. That's a small sample size, but they like the idea of those coming in because of the name brand and in particular baseball and softball. Those two programs are very uh, are very good and will help the RPI. Now you've got what could happen with Colorado. The Big 12 is lingering out there, and they look to be more in a position to add and poach than the ACC is. So you talk about falling behind, Jonathan. It would seem like that in uh, – Greensboro and, and soon to be Charlotte, there's going to be a lot of concern at the ACC office, I would think, about what the Big 12 may do. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Colorado. I mentioned Oregon later on. And I think with the Big 10 kind of really setting the example, I think, with going out west and getting USC, getting UCLA, I mentioned Oregon earlier, but Oregon's another one of those really power brands really across the board. And we, we all know the Phil Knight tie and Oregon is – the brand is undeniable and where do they end up? Do the SEC or big 10 go after them or does the big 12 eye them as well? And I think that the big 12 and the ACC, like you said, it's, they don't want to get left behind. It's the same thing with the individual schools, but these conferences like the big 12 and the ACC are in the same exact boat. So they're going to try to do everything they can to position themselves. The big 12 is obviously losing Texas and Oklahoma. They're bringing in a few schools next year, but, you know, at the same time, if you want to keep up with the Big Ten and the ACC with the direction it's heading, you have to make a move. What is that move? I don't know. Right. But I think the Pac-12 is certainly a good spot to look at with the Oregon's and the Colorado's, especially since I feel like Colorado has a lot of upside looking forward. Deion Sanders coming in. So those are definitely options, and I think those are probably – those might be the next shoes to fall, whether it's ACC or Pac-12, but I think – a Colorado and Oregon could be a big player in the next the next wave. You know, that's what's so crazy. It seems like the Pac-12 has probably gone from Hunter to Hunted in this. And um, and again, the Big 12, at least they're saber-rattling to the point that you would think they're, they're wanting to make some kind of move, especially with Texas and, uh, and Oklahoma leaving. Let me, let me ask you a little bit about this. Jonathan Wagner's with us uh, here from On3 Sports. Do you think... Um, you know, I've heard, I think it was on maybe 99.9 in Raleigh, uh, lawmakers saying, and this is where the Magnificent Seven moniker came, we know Virginia can't make a move without Virginia Tech. That's why Virginia Tech's in the ACC. Um, it seems like that there's enough legislative support, and we'll, we'll talk about lawmakers and their involvement in sports in a little bit, but there seems like there's enough legislative uh, umph behind NC State that the Tar Heels may not be able to go anywhere without taking NC State with them. Do you see that as a possibility? I, I'm really not sure at this point because I mean, you, I mean, you look at UCLA breaking away from Cal and the Pac-12 as well, and that it became an issue for a while. But in the end, it, it got it got resolved. But I mean, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Virginia Virginia Tech is a great example, I think. But you know, with the NC States and the UNC, in the in the end, I just think it comes down to if UNC gets the opportunity to, say, go to the Big Ten and the Big Ten offers them a spot and they're able to break away, then at this point, it's becoming an individual game right now. And these, these schools, 
the, legally, obviously, there will be some hurdles, but in the end, these schools are going to do what it takes to put themselves in a position to be in the best spot. And like we keep alluding to, not getting left behind. So if that means North Carolina goes on and NC State's left behind, I think in the eyes of UNC, it's going to be so be it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the UNC, NC State dynamic is different than the Virginia, Virginia Tech dynamic right? Uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, so speaking of legislative intervention, uh, we've had John Gilbert on. He was on with uh, Stephen Igo yesterday on the Hoist the Colors program, and he talked about scheduling UNC and scheduling NC State if you're ECU for football. I've seen this movie before. Uh, people that are the generation ahead of me have seen this movie before. It will take legislative intervention, lawmaker intervention, in order to require those institutions to, to play. And and I guess it'll be just be willing if there is enough juice from the ECU side to crank up the pressure on lawmakers. But yeah, it's, it is sad that that has to be the case. But, uh, you know, it makes too much sense for me to it makes more sense than having UConn or New Mexico on the non-conference schedule for UNC and and uh, and, and NC State. But, you know, obviously I understand where their coaches don't, don't want to jump in. But as we get into scheduling, is that one of the other areas that the bigger conferences are, are going to get in, especially as they continue to expand? They're going to add to the number of conference games, thus adding to the sort of the more perhaps appealing television matchups? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with ECU specifically in regards to some of the Carolina schools, it, it is frustrating because, I mean, those those types of games are the ones that, you know, the fans are going to get excited for, especially, you know, going into conference play. You do this a week two and you start ACC playing week three, say, if you're Carolina. And, I mean, get a little momentum, whether – win or lose that game I think the the attention it's going to bring to both fan bases it's, I think the value is undeniable and it, it is frustrating that it doesn't happen but I mean I do think it's interesting and lo- looking at it in the future I think it it will matter because again like it, the SEC and the Big Ten they, they seem to be kind of moving into a league of their own if you will and I think the next wave will really determine that and either take the next step or either slow it down but if say the Big Ten and the ACC continue to grow, continue to poach teams from, say, the Big 12, the ACC, then it might be a thing to where who knows what they're able to do. Do the Big 12 and ACC then want to cooperate with them? And, you know, if they're breaking away, and, again, that can mean a lot of things. And, obviously, there's a lot of rumors out there of what the long game is here. And I think that's – nobody really knows. So that's that, that's what makes this so tough to answer just nobody knows what the long game is for the SEC and the Big Ten. So it's really hard to predict where it goes scheduling-wise, you know, in non-conference, just because I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to be where, and I think that's really the biggest factor to it all. I think the big thing, too, is they're just going to keep cashing checks. That's, that's the, right. you know, that's kind of where we're headed right now hey let me uh you you, you and uh steven and uh, some of your other colleagues uh did uh a weekly ecu recap podcast uh you know weekly uh during the year so uh obviously you're qualified to talk on pirate baseball i'd like to think on some level i am but uh 
Give me your thoughts on the season and uh, where where the program is is headed. You know, there, I think some fans feel like that maybe they're concerned about a step back after not making the uh, super regional, but that's the expectation that the Pirates had. And, and, and in some ways, you know, I know there are a lot of expectations, but I I think this this team had some flaws and then they just couldn't overcome them really. Yeah, I agree, and I'm I'm a big baseball guy. That's that's my area of expertise, really. That's that's where I like to. That's where I spend my free time. I spend my free time watching baseball, looking at baseball, researching baseball. But I mean, this team was really it was really unique in a lot of ways. I think pitching wise, you know, coming into the year, you know, Trey Savage, he turned into the team's ace, their best pitcher. But probably going into the year, he wasn't guaranteed to be in the rotation. They, they were still wondering, really, up until the season, is he going to be in the rotation? Is he going to stay in his kind of flamethrower bullpen guy and come in and get you out of a jam? Or, you know, and we see how that worked out. And I think that really set the tone for this entire season because w- when I look at it from day one, this this team was never fully healthy. And, yeah. you know, whether it be Ryan McChrystal in the beginning of the year with his back, Justin Wilcoxon eventually went down. Trey Savage obviously had his own arm soreness and just little mix here and here and there. And I think for this team to accomplish what they did, it's it's really impressive to me because I I don't think this was the most talented roster we've ever seen. And I do think that you know, given looking at it on paper, I think they achieved probably more than I would have predicted they would. Yeah. So. I was really impressed just how this team, they, they always battled, you know, they dealt with a lot of adversity this season and they, they grinded their way through it. It was never pretty, but in the end, if you win a baseball game, that's all that matters. And, you know, some people might be disappointed not going to super regional. Obviously I am too. Obviously Cliff Godwin is too. Everyone is. You want to, you want to win the whole thing, but you know, doing what they did this season, it's, it's really impressive, and we've gotten a little spoiled, I think, with hosting a regional every year in my recent memory, pretty much. So even though they didn't achieve their end goal, I think it was still a very impressive season and one that deserves a lot of praise. Hey, Jonathan, great to talk to you. At J underscore Wag 74 on Twitter, on 3 Sports, Jonathan Wagner, thanks for doing this. And I, like I said, you've been on the program before. We appreciate that. It's great to finally uh, get a chance to uh, – chop it up with you here and uh, have a great summer and we'll look forward to talking to you as we get closer to football yeah man thanks for having me on i appreciate it interesting stuff uh somebody tweeted at us today there's no off season boy it doesn't seem like there is anymore all right uh we have updates from the big rock and from the u.s open but right now here is uh our clark willis with a pirate report in 94.3 the game sports update Mobile sports betting throughout North Carolina will start to roll out early as the beginning of next year. Governor Roy Cooper finally signed the long-awaited sports gambling bill into law while in Charlotte. The legislation will allow people to place wagers on college, professional, and amateur sports either online or at eight in-person venues across the state. Representative Jason Sane talked about the work that he's done towards making this a reality after legislation had previously failed. Nothing happens without building a good team. We had a great team we got it done. You know, it, it was tough that first year where we had just one vote shy of getting this bill passed. But it gave us an opportunity to work harder. You don't always win championships, but you're always working for the championship. 
relationship and said work harder to do the hard work, to talk to all the legislators, to talk to people across the state and build support for it. And Governor, I thank you for your help. The new measure could take effect as early as January. ECU Director of Athletics John Gilbert of 94.3 The Game's Hoist the Colors radio show with Stephen Igo. He talked about the record fundraising during the noteworthy interview. We've raised more money than we've ever raised in the history of ECU Athletics. Uh, we secured the largest gift ever this year. Uh, and in fact, over the last, I think, four years since I've been here, we've raised the largest, I believe it's six gifts in the Pirate Club history. You can also grab the complete conversation on the IBX Media app. It's day four of the 65th annual Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament. 75 of 271 boats fished today, still leading in the number one spot with the heaviest or biggest blue marlin is C Student with 470.2 pounds. And number two, C Toy, 463.7 pounds. And finally, the Predator with 459 pounds. Day five kicks off tomorrow with the fabulous fisherman's title and $739,000 still up for grab. We'll keep you updated here on 94.3 The Game. The U.S. Open underway today with the opening round from the L.A. Country Club. Curtis Strange on Talk of the Town this week talked about the course. It's one of the hardest golf courses in the world under the toughest conditions, and it should be because, once again, it's our national championship. So this year, uh, out at L.A. on a great golf course and, you know, the best field in the world will be assembled and try to win that trophy. Golf writer Brian Mould tells our Patrick Johnson who he's keeping an eye out for. Well, I like Kepka again. I don't, uh, I mean, he's the best U.S. Open player of our lifetime. He's healthy. Uh, he's been having a little fun since the PGA, so maybe you could question his motivation, but I'm pretty sure when the gun goes off on Thursday that he's going to be dialed in. Um, I'd start, any list starts with him and, and Scheffler. I mean, Scheffler is on a epic ball striking run that we have not seen in golf since 2000 in Tiger Woods. I mean, he is, if he could just put average this week, he could win by four or five shots if he continues to hit the ball like he has. Wake Forest is gearing up for the College World Series. The top seeded Demon Deacons are slated to face eight seed Stanford on Saturday afternoon in Omaha to open up the double elimination round. Wake Forest swept 16 seed Alabama in the Super Regionals in Winston-Salem last weekend to advance. Stanford defeated Texas to clinch their spot in the College World Series. A win would set up a matchup against either LSU or Tennessee, while a loss would send Wake to the elimination bracket. The Demon Deacons are attempted to win the program's first College World Series championships since 1955. The Panthers have wrapped up their off-season workout program. Carolina held its final practice of its mandatory minicamps yesterday. The team has officially signed rookie wide receiver Jonathan Mingo to his rookie four-year deal. In other news, head coach Frank Reich said that offensive lineman Austin Corbett will be the only player on the physically unable to perform list to open training camp next month. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. This sport date is brought to you by Team Boneyard and the NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate students, athletes. For more information on how to join, please visit teamboneyard.org. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout right here on 94.3 The Game. 
We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, welcome back. Thanks to Jonathan Wagner, Wags, for being on uh, with us. Good stuff. Fun to chop it up with uh, him and uh, really proud of uh, a guy like uh, Jonathan who uh, worked under uh, Stephen Igo and uh, has uh, kind of carved out his own niche uh, nationally, and uh, I think that's really, really great. Uh, we've got uh, a pretty exciting show tomorrow. Clark Willis producing uh, today. Clark, uh, after a marathon day today, I don't think we'll be in tomorrow afternoon. I think uh, some combination of Dom and, and perhaps the ref will be in uh, Inconceivable. Inconceivable. The schedule that you're it, – it's on my level. Not to brag, <laughs> it's, like but to it's, on, it. it's on my level of uh, – I like to of call early it, in the morning to late in the <laughs> afternoon. I'd like to call it farmer's hours. They are. You know what? It is kind of farmer's hours. Yeah. My buddy, the ebb, his daddy, uh, James Earl in green County. I always, uh, thought, boy, it'd be cool to be a farmer. I'm just not that tough. I'm a wimp. I, I'm, I'm, you know, so I would never have, but I always thought this would be great to be a farmer. The, the only difference is in the winter, this would slow down on, on the farm and you know, they're not going quite crazy uh like they are during uh but you're right they are farmers hours hey um coming up tomorrow talk of the town in the morning this is going to be an unprecedented deal henry's going to be on a 142 foot uh yacht i think i have that correct and they'll be doing the show from there that's a big I yacht, will be, uh, that's a big boat that's a very big boat. We're, we're, you're not going to need a bigger boat in that instance. <laughs> so we will be here uh, tomorrow uh, from uh, 7 to 9. I'll be in uh, my studio here. And uh, the big Herm will be uh, on the boat. And hopefully everything will work out uh, marvelously. Right. They are hoping to get Richard Petty. That's right. The Kang. Richard Petty uh, is... Uh, they're aspiring to get him as a guest on Talk of the Town. I know there was some, I was told this afternoon, <laughs> there was uh, maybe some efforts being made to do something with him this afternoon because as of uh, late morning, the Kang, who sleeps in, was still asleep. So uh, I don't know if he would get up to do a morning show on the boat. But if he's on the boat, I don't see why he would not, but we'll see. Uh, if Richard Petty, in some way, shape, or form, is on Talk of the Town tomorrow, we're going to use uh, some of that interview right here. If we don't use it tomorrow, for whatever reason, we would use it probably uh, some point Monday or next week or play some clips from it. But right now, our plan is to use part of that uh, interview, if not all of that interview tomorrow, assuming they get it. Now, I've also offered to say, have the king call us. We'll put him on. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, we do have Contavia Street on with us tomorrow now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Great defensive uh, tackle. Played at Rose, then went to NC State. Uh, we, he's got a football camp coming up next month at J.H. Rose, so we're going to talk to Contavia Street about uh, the Eagles' prospects for the season ahead. And uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, his football camp and uh, just his the whole career tomorrow. Uh, here, I think we might even do a hold my beer tomorrow. So uh, that is what Friday looks like next week on the Patrick Johnson show. Uh, our guests will include ECU director of athletics, John Gilbert. Uh, we'll talk with uh, ECU offensive coordinator, Donnie Kirkpatrick for football. 
defensive coordinator for football, Blake Harrell, will also be in studio next week. And the mayor of Greenville will be with us, P.J. Conley. So that's just some of the guests next week as we uh, forge our way into our uh, summer break uh, coming up. Uh, I was looking at some of the Big Rock stuff at Clark. Thank you for throwing that in there. Great, uh, great deal. Uh, as of right now, uh, C student remains the leader with the heaviest blue Marlin on the board at, uh, 470.2 pounds down at the big rock C toy at 463.7 remains in second predator was one of those that weighed in yesterday at 459. So right now they're sitting at third and that, uh, $740,000 fabulous fisherman, uh, is still out, up for grabs. Uh, Seawolf came in with a 408.1 marlin yesterday uh but uh really nothing on uh, that as far as uh anything uh today i've not seen at least anything that would uh indicate uh that anybody is uh coming in today we'll, we'll see uh but uh at least I'm, my normal sources on that uh that i can get quick references from are not showing anything uh on that hey an opportunity uh to remind you to download the ibx media app the uh interview that uh was done with john gilbert is uh has become quite noteworthy and uh it is uh, available there that was done yesterday on the hoist the colors radio program you can check that out at the ibx media app which is free for download on google play and at the uh app uh, the uh, apple uh store as well so you can go there to your app store and uh, buy that, download it for your phone or your favorite uh, tablet or iPad, and uh, just a couple of clicks away from your favorite radio station under the IBX Media banner. This station, 94.3 The Game, 107.9 WNCT, our new oldie stations, and, uh, of course, uh, Talk 103.7 and 96.3. Uh, you can uh, relive the magic of uh, past shows, mine, uh, the Hoist the Color show as well, and Talk of the Town also. Uh, Mike and Laura in the morning uh, have a podcast you can check out on there daily. So uh, listen live or uh, relive the magic or experience it for the first time, the podcast version of all of these programs on uh, 94.3 thegame.com uh, for our show, but also the IBX media app. It is uh, free to download in just uh, two clicks, and you can stream your favorite radio station. It is a great plan for the summer. Uh, we will uh, update you on what's going on with the golf, and uh, we'll talk uh, some other things that uh, we haven't quite got to yet uh, today when we come back right after this. It is the Thursday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in. Uh, we're getting ready to wrap things up uh, for this uh, Thursday. Uh, I've been fascinated to watch the Oakland A's uh, move out of uh, Oakland to Las Vegas. And uh, the A's ownership uh, indicating they hope to move to the new ballpark in Vegas by 27. Maybe you saw the deal this week where uh, the uh, they had the reverse uh instead of boycotting, it was the reverse boycott. They had about 30,000-plus show up at that hideous stadium out in Oakland, and they were quiet to a certain point, and then they got really loud with a chant of sell the team or something, and uh, that uh, they couldn't communicate the pitcher and the catcher even though they had the uh, communication device. So the team's uh, lease at Ring Central Coliseum, that's what they're calling that dump now out in Oakland, 
expires after the 24 season, the A's would need to find a home for 25 and 26. Uh, Oakland's still playing well. I mean, they're winning. They've got uh, 20 or rather six games in a row, but uh, the move to Las Vegas has advanced as uh, Nevada lawmakers approve stadium funds. So with public money to build a baseball park on the Las Vegas Strip, the A's location will likely go to a vote for ma- of Major League Baseball owners. What's fascinating about the Vegas thing is um, what Vegas has become. And as we're looking at, you're going to get a possibility of having casinos in North Carolina, um, which I think is going to very much happen on the heels of this uh, sports gambling bill passing. They they're wanted to muck that up and, and muddy the waters by having uh, casinos attached to it. Thankfully, they didn't do that, lawmakers. So that kept things from really getting bogged down and not passing. But I think there is enough movement and uh, enough excitement that you're going to see uh, casinos pop up on uh, non-native lands in the state. I, I think we're headed towards some form of, uh, of that. And, uh, but, but, but Vegas, you know, they, nobody wanted to touch Vegas years ago because of the implication of, of gambling. And now you have all of these sports books sponsoring and having partnerships with uh, leagues and teams. But, you know, Vegas is going to, they've got the Stanley Cup champ hockey team. They're going to have the A's. They've got the Raiders. And uh, they've got a WNBA team that actually does pretty well out there. Don't know if we'll see an NBA team, but I would think at some point if there's going to be expansion, Vegas, would they got a great arena out there where the uh, Golden Knights play, so I would think we probably would see uh, an NBA team out there. And uh, that is uh, it's just remarkable where Vegas has, has come. So that is... Uh, that is happening, and then I think the next thing to do in uh, as far as baseball goes with an eye towards some kind of baseball expansion and Charlotte and very, very distantly Raleigh, but definitely Charlotte would probably be considered for that expansion. The league has got to figure out what they're going to do with uh, Tampa Bay, and uh, that will be a relocation. I know Orlando really wants to have a team. I just don't – I think they're a little late to the dance on that. Uh, I would think Montreal – Portland or Nashville, maybe that's where Charlotte, again, they're kind of late to that dance. They should probably concentrate on the expansion side of uh, things. Um, Right now, we are uh, uh, getting ready to bid you adieu for this uh, Thursday. Thanks to Jonathan Wagner for being on with us. Uh, U.S. Open happening uh, now out in uh, Los Angeles. They'll have primetime golf tonight. Xander Schauffele and Ricky Fowler are eight under and the uh, co-leaders of the... uh, tournament they're in the clubhouse after round one golfers are obviously still out there and will be all afternoon and evening uh scheffler dechambeau uh and kim along with uh, paul barjon are five shots behind the co-leaders they are tied for third at uh, three under as they all fired 67s thanks to clark willis for his help today we will uh, see everybody coming up uh, tomorrow morning on talk of the town and back here with Kentavious street And maybe the king, Richard Petty, on the Patrick Johnson Show Friday.